This week's episode of Nerd Cognito is brought to you by The Humble Bundle. Hey, if you're looking to expand your gaming library, either through your PC or one of your console systems, you have to check out what Humble Bundle can bring to you. You'll be able to donate at a level that you're comfortable with. And I say donate because when you subscribe to The Humble Bundle, Every week, a portion of the proceeds go to support a very good charity. They vet their charities. You get a ton of games. And hey, for 12 bucks, you get AAA games, a bunch of indies, and you can really, really fill out your Steam library. Go to nerdcognito.com, scroll down the page, find the link to the Humble Bundle, and give it a shot. 12 bucks and... If you pick up one game a month you like, it's paid for itself. Plus, proceeds go to fantastic causes. You can even scale and select the charities of your choice. Again, go to nerdcognito.com, scroll down the page, find the link to the Humble Bundle, and subscribe. Now, on with the show. Oh, hello everybody. Mother Nature be damned. We are back. My name is Ryan David and you are listening to Nerd Cognito. I'm joined as always by Bert. What's up, Bert? How you doing, Ryan? Good uh, to be back. Oh, I know. Last week was just a total cluster fuck, man. Uh, for those of you that are wondering, where the hell's the show? There's not even a nano last week. Uh, yeah, it, it was bad. In in the area of the country where we live, we got hit with like multiple microbursts and significant severe thunderstorms. And Bert, you were out of power for days. Right. It was a couple of days. Like we had trees down, lines down, like... I called the electric company and they were like, um, you could be on between 11 PM and Tuesday. Hey, that's a great window. And so make a long story short, Bert texts me about a half an hour before we, we normally go for nerd cognito. And he's like, I'm back. And I'm like, I'm not. Cause mine's gone now too. <laughs> so, uh, and the way the week fell, it just, it just didn't happen. And as both Mikey and my six year old say, it happens like that sometimes, bro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Well, we've got a, a big week for you this week. We're going to try to, as always, chew it up and spit it out into bite-sized pieces like the good mother birds that we are. I've got a lot of news, Bert. I don't even know if we're going to make it through all the... Oh, the fucking news. But uh, <laughs> this week, right. we're, we're going to talk about hordes in Dungeons and & Dragons and tabletop role-playing in general. I think hordes are one of the more interesting monster mechanics that a DM can run. Whether or not there are rules for them that are predefined by Wizards of the Coast, uh, hordes can be a lot of fun and make for some memorable encounters. Uh, also, we're going to talk about third-party, unofficial, non-blessed-by-developer add-ons to board games this week. Okay. And uh, if we have time, we'll also pop in a chat about the Nerd Cognito role-playing game. As you know, the last campaign that we ran, for lack of a better term, was a Cowpunchers campaign. Shout out to the basic expert. Uh, well, Cowpunchers went very well, but it didn't have 
that character growth and development that everyone in the group was looking for. I am not shitting on Cowpunchers. Cowpunchers is an amazing system. I could have played it for another 10 sessions. But the rest of the group really wanted to take their characters and run with it. So I have an idea, Bert. Oh, really? I do, and we're going to talk about that idea later Can't on. Can't wait. So well, let's let's just kick it off right from the top with... With horns! Oh my god, there's a zombie horn. I mean, how cliche can I be, Bert? The zombie horde. Well, I mean, it's a staple in horror movies, in, you know, uh, survival horror video games, in all kinds. The zombie horde is a classic. I love hordes and swarms and just bunches of little things that drive PCs crazy. I think they make for amazing encounters if used in, you know, the right, I guess, recipe. <laughs> I don't have a better term for it, Bert, but you, you can't have them every session, but when you have them, you have to make them memorable, make them distinct, and they can really, really add to your role-playing session. I think that the Horde is something that often also gets sort of shoved aside because it is cliche. Oh my gosh, it's an insect swarm. Oh my gosh, it's zombies. But... There are a lot of things that you can do with hordes. And from the DM side of it, it can be a bit of a nightmare as far as management. But from the experience end of it, I think if you do it well, it's something that your players will never, ever forget. It's one of those stories that we would tell on Nerd Cognito. How do you feel about hordes? I love hordes. I mean, they've always been sort of an interesting mechanic you know you almost treat them you know depending on the system that you're using for D, you almost treat them like a creature all on their own sure you know, when when they take enough damage they kind of dissipate i think you almost have to otherwise if you're tracking 75 somethings as the dungeon master good lord you're gonna slit your wrists by the end of that night <laughs> Do you have um, a, a favorite horde encounter that you fondly remember? I have one. Uh, I do have one too, and I, I guess it's not technically a swarm, but it, it kind of mimics one. There was a monster, and I think it was from third edition, that had squeeze. Okay. And so the uh, what would happen was you'd get attacked by these hordes of little creatures. They were something like goblins. I think they were called wildlings, if I remember right. But the they could actually occupy three to a five foot square. Interesting. So the monsters would actually like squeeze into a formation where they would be they like they could multi attack you. There there were basically three creatures in one five foot space that you had to deal with at one point in time. That sounds like a interesting creature i don't remember the creature off the top of my head um you remember the you remember the mechanic though right squeeze i i do remember the squeeze mechanic and um so so what if you were fighting even three of them you're looking at a nine creature sort of mini swarm right exactly i always more approached it with something that would sort of take the players by surprise i remember I was once running a campaign, and they had adventured off into, you know, a rural area, a farmland, and they right. came across this farm where there was some sort of cosmic MacGuffin 
that was making animals just go crazy. And lo and behold, here came a swarm of insane, bloodthirsty, dire sheep. (laughs) Dire sheep? Dire sheep. Sheep and rams. And the players loved it. They'll still talk about it to this day. You should ask about, you know, the... The, the battle on the farm with the dire sheep and, and sort of the big bad for that session was there was a big bad evil cow, not a minotaur, <laughs> not a minotaur, but a, but a big bad sort of mutant cow that, that they had to take out. And swarms are interesting. You know, I always look at a monster manual or an entry in a monster manual as a template. No matter what. And you can overlay just about anything into a horde as long as you're a responsible DM, unless you're looking for a TPK, which could also be... Should be. I mean, you're not going to have a horde of dragons. No. You're not going to, you know... No, no. But you could have a horde of just hatched dragons, and the horde dynamic really changes everything because, let's face it, even the best players that are completely immersive, they get into a rut with what they do in a combat. And a horde forces the player to change things up. Right. You have to change your strategy. You have, you're looking for something that will impact an area rather than just going toe-to-toe with a single big bad creature. Now, do you remember the hordes that had a uh, like an additional effect? Like, what was it? Was it brain rats? I do remember brain rats. <laughs> they, the, the horde was more intelligent the more rats were in it. So the more you killed, the less intelligent it got, and it changed the tactics. So it was a really interesting combat because to start with, you've got this super genius swarm of rats. So you're getting attacked by the rats of Nim. Right. It's very and- sentient, and it's being incredibly tactical, and it's being ruthless and cunning and thinking through the battle and then as you hack the rats off of it it turns into just this feral ball of rats right right and i thought that was really interesting because the combat changed over time no it it did and it was all contained within that one little session the other thing i like about hordes and creating your own rolling your own so to speak is It's something that the players can't predict, especially if you are bringing in, I hate to use the term homebrew, but a Mm homebrew horde. You know, there's that guy that knows the monster manual cover to cover. Sure. And that guy, even when he says he's separating, you're not always separating. You know what's up. So when you bring in something that looks, smells, speaks, and acts differently even though it's based on a template that this guy has memorized, he has no clue, no clue whatsoever. Right. And I mean, and that gives your characters who, who took the time to level up skills with knowledges and lore and things like that, an opportunity to find out about these mysterious creatures as well. Right. Because they're acting like this, or they're doing something that we've seen with this. Right. Exactly. So it gives your character, your players who level up those knowledge skills and who have lore and things like that, an opportunity to shine as well, which I think is always a plus. Yeah. 
I, I think that if you're not putting hordes into your game at some point, or a swarm, or insert the verb, excuse me, noun of your choice for that group combat and running it like a swarm or a horde, you're, you're doing yourself a disservice as a DM. You're creating yourself a lot of extra work, especially if you're getting into a multi-monster combat. Uh, and I, when I say multi-monster, I mean like six, seven, ten plus monsters. And you are n providing a different feel for a combat that can be absolutely unique. So a little quick food for thought as we open the gates here on Nerd Cognito. Oh, Bert, you were you were talking about our next segment. You were you were saying, "Hey, Ryan, what do you think of these third-party developers that are tacking on or riding the coattails of popular board games?" Talk to me about that. Well, you know, I have a reputation as Mister Terraforming Mars. You are Mister Terraforming Mars. So I have all the expansions. I have all of the additions. I and so I've been looking at. Uh, pulling the trigger on a way to store them all. You know, right now they're all in the separate boxes for each expansion, and I just pack all the boxes up and take them with me when I go to play. But they have, you know, big boxes, organizers, things like that. And it kind of took me down a rabbit hole because not only do they have, you know, storage for your game, there are a bunch of fan-created games that add gameplay elements, that add new maps, that add new cards that aren't from the developer. So you've got these people fan-making or homebrewing their own expansions and then selling them. And so the question is, you know, what's the line between sort of homage and piracy on something like that? Well, I don't like it. I think you predicted that. You, you knew that's where I was going to stand. Right. I really don't like it. If you're going to put the effort in and... Kudos to the people that do put the effort in. Put it into your own IP because you are robbing the developer of their intellectual property. And not only that, I, I can go down the laundry list of is it balanced, does it break the game, how far did you play test it, that whole sort of thing. But I tend to think that the developers know their game best. Plus, you know, their work, their thoughts, their time, their efforts, they're the ones that need to license it and make some money on it. Now, let me ask you a question, because, you know, not to play devil's advocate, but... Please do. I brought, this, I brought this up to my wife. You know, she's a creative type, so I wanted to get her input. Sure. And she compared it to a cover band. You're going to hear songs you love by a creator when you hear a cover band play... Are you going to enjoy the music any less knowing that, you know, this cover band is playing songs that don't belong to them and that the creator isn't getting paid for? But the cover band is, is a good analogy on one end, but on the other end, the creator is getting paid for it. If, if they're making any serious money, we're not talking the cover band down at the ugly dog saloon, right? <laughs> Right. If they're playing a gig that is profitable, not 20 bucks and everybody pile in the van. If they're playing a legitimate gig, then they're going to have to secure performance rights to those songs. Okay. So 
you know, the gameplay, the gameplay elements you disagree with, what's your stance on things guy like fan-made organizers or player boards or things that, you know, are that facilitate standard gameplay that I have zero problem with because you're not specifically targeting and riding the coattails of a developer for that one. It is something that doesn't impact gameplay. It doesn't impact how the game works. It doesn't impact what the developer chose to release as their product. I'm all for pimping games. I'm not for prostituting games. Okay. So adding an organizer, fine. You know, taking the, uh, you know, the pieces and upgrading them, you know, laser printing or or 3D printing or whatever new pieces. Great. But when it comes to something that adds additional content, that's kind of where you draw the line. It, it does. And and it does bleed into the ugly zone. You know, I'm going to defend capitalism here. There are some great 3D prints that I authored for my favorite series of games, which, you know, the Arkham Horror family of games. Absolutely. Right? Uh I think that they're fantastic. They enhance the visual aspect of the game. They make the game easier to manage, but I don't have an Etsy store where I'm selling them. True. I mean, we've played with those tools, you know, ever since you printed them and they do make setup gameplay a lot easier, a lot more visual. It's, you know, there are no, uh, you know, it's definitely, you know, pimping that game and improving the experience but it doesn't add anything to the rules or make any changes to the existing game itself. Right. And that's sort of where I draw the line. If it's, you know, a personal use sort of thing, you're not looking to profit in any capacity because let's face facts. There are a ton of game pimping things that are using imagery or sculpts or scans from a game that, if Asmodee wanted to bring the hammer down, they just need to hire some, you know, second-year attorneys to just send <laughs> out letter after letter after letter, and they could. But I think you have to, as a developer, understand that there's going to be love for your product. You want that. You want to embrace it. But you have to make that personal choice as to where is the line between you're impacting my ability to make money. And I think, fortunately, for the board game hobby, you know, board games are not cheap to produce. No, they're not. They're not cheap to get into this country. And the the board game distributors and printers, with a wink and a nod, sort of let that go because it's not an avenue that they were going to explore. But if it were an avenue that they were going to explore... I could see it ending really quickly. I know I would, and well, I'm, a, I'm a mean, horrible person, but if it's something that I planned to or even didn't plan to and said, hey, these people are doing this, and that's something that I can and will do, I'm going to protect my interest. It's my baby. Right, and from my own personal point of view, if you want to homebrew something, you know, you take a base game and you – Add your own rules, create your own cards. Like there are, you know, 
tons of examples of that out there. Uh, people you know, make themselves as a Magic the Gathering card all the time. I don't think right. that Hasbro has an issue with that because mm. no one's going to buy the Ryan David Magic the Gathering card. <laughs> right, right. Oh, and my God. Bert, I need to make the Ryan David Magic the Gathering <laughs> card and, and put it on 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 the twatter and make sparkle trolls heads explode oh i should get basic expert commission him to do <laughs> a little piece of art of me slaying a sparkle troll for that said card <laughs> oh no no right could could you imagine the glory it would be headlines across the board Headlines. Oh man, you would be in. So I mean, people hate you now. Oh, I that? know, I know. There would be all sorts of independent blog esque. We want to be real reporter stories about the evil Ryan David. We know, as people who have created things. I know specifically, as a creator, when I was working, you know, a nine to five for an organization. The stuff that I created stayed with that organization, and that oh, hurts. Sure. That hurts. Oh, yeah. Uh, but rightly so. It's their property. They're paying for my time. They're paying for my skills. They're developing that property. So, no, some fly-by-night guy with 10 3D printers in his garage should not be able to make a fuck ton of money, comparatively speaking. I don't think you're going to make a fuck ton of money with 10 3D printers in your garage. But you know what I'm right. saying. Yeah, I get it. I get it. So these Etsy stores and things like that that are Hate springing em. up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to hold back. No, no. no. And I, I, I mean, I guess if you're creative enough to expand a game, why wouldn't you be creative enough to kind of make your own? Right. Or at the least, if you're going to do it and going to release it, release it under an open or a creative commons license and don't try to make money because you are dancing with the devil in a three piece suit. When you do that. Oh, courtrooms, how I miss them. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the news, Bert. We have a big news week. You said there was a ton of news to slog through this week. There is. Some of them I'm just going to short shrift just because I want to talk about them, but I don't want to spend a bunch of time on it. And, you know, really it is two weeks worth of news that I'm shoehorning in here. All right. Well, hit me. We got to start somewhere. Well, we'll start with Diablo Immortal. Did you, uh, did you dance with that particular devil, Bert? I did not. I played I played uh, Diablo and Diablo 2, but I did not, you know, I didn't progress any further past that. I think everybody knows that I am a very big Diablo fan. All of the games, uh, right down to, to the lore. I have the freaking novel. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like the Diablo universe. Uh, I also sidestepped Diablo Immortal. Because, A, I'm not going to sit and play a mobile game. And, B, mobile games are all cash grabs. And I don't know why people were so surprised that Diablo Immortal was a giant cash grab by Blizzard. <laughs> that's what they, that's the purpose that they serve. Right. I mean, a lot of, most mobile games, you know, they're pay to win, pay to play, you know. 
Well, there was a ton of negative press, but apparently it didn't hurt them. In just two months after release, Diablo Immortal has posted $100 million in revenue for Blizzard. That's crazy. The only game that brought in revenue faster was Pokemon Go, which did it (laughs) in two weeks, and Fire Emblem Heroes, which did it in ten weeks. Right, okay, okay. Well, I mean, at least with Diablo uh, Immortal, you're not walking into traffic, right? (laughs) That's true, right? Although, (laughs) you know, are we really missing some of the people that might have walked into traffic? I mean, really? (laughs) Come on. I I mean, I played it with with the the prodigal daughter. Uh, She was right in that sweet spot age when Pokemon Go first launched, and... She got really into it with ex-wife number one, her mother. Uh, I played it casually with her, but they were going specifically to places to get Pokemon and this and that and spending money. And, uh, you know, I think for her sake, I might have spent 20 bucks on it. But, (laughs) yeah, Diablo Immortal, it, it did its job. It made money. It maximized that intake on the first two months. I mean, bad press aside, it's Diablo and it's Blizzard. They can just print money. Right. I mean, you know, Blizzard should be used to bad press at this point. Well, you know, I don't think they care. What bad press? We're going to hell? No, we're bringing hell to you. So, And you're going to pay us to do it. (laughs) and, And you are. So I guess good for Blizzard, question mark? I don't know. I, 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 full disclosure, I do not own any Blizzard stock, but I do hold several Blizzard bonds. Um, so I'm okay with them making $100 million in two months. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you are. You a big fan of The Walking Dead? Uh, watch the first couple of seasons. Not, uh, you know, not huge into The Walking Dead, but it's a, it's a fun show. So you're not one of those people that is you know, super deep into that world. No, no. I watched through, oh, I don't, I don't even know what season it was. It's, it was prior to the big bad that everybody liked. What was his name? Negan. Yes. It was prior to Negan's entrance. It's when they first arrived to new Alexandria. I think that was the name of the town. And, uh, it, it just fell off the cliff for me then. I'm like, they can only, at that point, it was getting repetitious, and they could only do the same thing so many times. Yeah, for me, I just kind of fell out of it. Um, we started, I started watching it before my dad passed away. He was a huge zombie movie guy, so a zombie show was great. We would get together every week and watch The Walking Dead, and then after he passed away, I just kind of lost interest in it. Well, good news coming out of San Diego Comic-Con. Uh, Rick and Michonne are getting their own mini-series with the door being left open to develop it into a full series. In 2023, you can follow the lives of Rick Grimes and Michonne as they move on down that zombie road in a six-episode little stint. So, I I don't know. Rick ran his course for me. And that was halfway through before they even exited the character from the main show. So, right. I mean, for me, I thought he started strong, 
Like it was a really interesting character at the beginning, and then he just kind of seemed to fade over yeah. time. Yeah, he became every good man, right? Right. Or, or every gray man, I should say, by the time I quit watching. And I don't know anything beyond that. I know I saw the entrance of Michonne. Interesting, you know, urban samurai thing. But it, right. it, it wasn't enough to have me saying, I can't wait for next year to see this show. But I know some of you are Walking Dead fans out there, and you are probably super geeked about it. If you are... Write us, nerdcognitopodcast at gmail.com, and tell us why. I mean, you can also tweet it to me on Twitter in between the insults from the Sparkle Trolls at I Hate Ryan David. Bert, we got to get you on Twitter. I mean, I got to have some backup. <laughs> um, but, but tell us, you know, what is the draw for, for this Rick and Michonne series? Also, aren't we kind of past it? Isn't this very 10 years ago? This seems mm-hmm. a little too too little too late. Just just my humble opinion. Well, you know what they say, Ryan. These days there are very few new ideas. Well, ain't that the truth? I I had a very did I tell you my that seventies show revelation? No. I woke up one morning, took care of my morning ablutions, was washing my hair in the shower. And it hit me like a lightning bolt. That 70s show, which I think is a top 10 of all-time comedy, right? I found it very amusing. I've I've watched all eight seasons. That 70s show is an overlay for our generation of happy days. (laughs) And I was so depressed for at least half a day when I realized that. Character for character, setting for setting, it's fucking happy days. <laughs> Made me sad. Made yeah, me sad. yeah. I mean, and, and it is. I mean, they say that you know, there's there's that sweet spot when it comes to nostalgia. Like every, you know, like right now, it seems like uh, all of the throwbacks are going to the eighties, things, things like that. So, you know, I guess every, you know, every ten years they kind yeah. of switch it up another decade so it's kind of interesting i mean i guess Joni was hot in the 70s to guys that were of our age when we were watching that 70s show just like uh mila kunis and laura propon although laura propon has lost it now that she's super batshit scientology crazy <laughs> <laughs> that 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 takes the shine off of just about anything even if xenu is my homeboy we at the Nerd Cognito Studios do not uh, endorse or disparage any religion. Fuck Scientology. They're they're nuts. <laughs> and now here comes the Twitter. Oh, I'm sure. Thanks, Ryan. Well, let's talk about video games. Good. Uh, Valve is laying down the law with future and current listings in the Steam store. Mm. And in the future, in the near future... Valve will not permit you to show awards or press ratings on your Steam game cover art. I am Mm. all for this one. How many times when you're searching through Steam do you see these, these storefront cover pages that are loaded with scores from God knows who? 
Right, like that would know. be like someone citing Nerd Cognito as a reputable score. It's it's two guys bullshitting. <laughs> right, yeah. You know, the, the Anima, Anaheim Basement Explorers Club Game of the Year. Right. You know, like that kind right. of stuff. And there's, you know, fancy iconography with the trophies and this and that and Valve saying, eh, no more. From now on, your title card is your title card. And I really, really support that because a it's ugly it's in it's not sincere at all right and and you know it it, people who do you know look for you know awards and things like that are going to look for the for them from an outside source before they go to purchase that game if that's something that influences them well you would hope but this is going to this is going to hit everybody from the little indie guys all the way through the big studios everybody does it Oh yeah, to the point where I I just you know my eyes sort of cross and the awards just blur and then I go and do my own homework. So right, right. Uh, yay! Thank you, Gabe. At least getting that bullshit clutter out. I mean, we are marketed everything all the time. Absolutely. I mean, the you know and and people will you know. People will say anything to get you to buy their product. You know, that's the way advertising works, you know? Right. Buy mine, it's better than his. Uh, right, and I, that, I think that kind of levels the playing field. It, it makes people, you know, it makes people, games stand on their merit rather than... Right. Then Russia bought generated positive reviews. Right. Oh, <laughs> uh, Let's go in the time machine, Bert. Okay. This, Hit this, me. this one probably is more near and dear to my heart, so we'll, we'll keep it short. But we just passed the 40th anniversary of the original slap heard round the world. Do you know what slap I'm talking about? <laughs> uh, let's see. 40th anniversary. So that would have been 1982. 1982. Hmm. The only thing I can think of... Two of the three principles involved in this are on my personal hero list, if it helps you out any. No, I mean, the only thing I can remember, like, you know, big slaps from the 80s are things like, my mom was a Dynasty fan, you know, (laughs) It was not Dynasty. I know know that's a shock to you. Uh, 40 years ago, Jerry Lawler slapped Andy Kaufman... On late night with David Letterman. Oh right! Now obviously, yeah, I... you know, for me that's a big deal because pro wrestling has been a big part of <laughs> both my formative years and my early professional years. Um, right. But just from a performance basis, this was still when kayfabe had not yet been broken. It was just starting to crack. Boy. Everybody talked about it. and Oh, sure. It was huge at the time. Andy Kaufman. I mean, my God. Uh, so which two of the three, Letterman, Kaufman, or Lawler, or do you think are my, on the personal hero list? Kaufman and Lawler. You got one. Well, you were going to really? get one no matter what. So, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to tell you which one you got. We'll play it like the price is right. Do you want to switch one of your answers? <laughs> Okay, so Letterman and Lawler? 
Oh, you got one again. Bum, bum, uh, bum. Okay. It was Letterman and Kaufman the, on, on my personal hero list. So, hmm, okay. youngins, if you don't know who the fuck Andy Kaufman is, please do a Google search or go to, you know, that building that has lots of books in it and borrow a biography of Andy Kaufman. Uh, right. Uh, you know, watch Taxi, watch Man on the Moon, watch, you know. Oh, Andy, you left us too soon. Not leaving too soon is the Darkest Dungeon board game adaptation. Uh, hmm. Darkest Dungeon, great, great little video game. And Darkest Dungeon 2, of course, the, the follow-up. Uh, but the developer Mythic Games, of course as is the way of the world now, skinned it into what looks to be a fantastic tabletop board game. Really? And they had a successful Kickstarter, a grossly successful Kickstarter, I should say, in 2020. The game was set to launch in 2021, but COVID... Right. And it's been stuck in China ever since. Now, Mythic has always been pretty transparent. Um, thanks to the COVID monster, the game production costs went up significantly. Wow. Okay. And they released it on an update, and they said, we're going to eat it. And now the game is ready to ship. And I think they're at the point where... They ate the production costs, and if they're making anything at all, it's got to be razor thin. They did say to the backers, look, we have the ability to get the games on a ship, but you got to pony up the difference because shipping costs have increased 600% wow. since the estimate when the pledge manager went out. Right. What does this mean? The average person with the base pledge was asked to pay another 20 bucks. Not the end of the world. Not the end of the world. An all-in pledge was asked to pay another 60 bucks. Also, not the end of the world. Look, if you're kickstarting a game, there's no guarantee, and you have to be aware that market issues and market pricing from the time especially if you're kickstarting something that's going to be years out from the time that it was estimated to the time it's ready to ship might change mythic right, even I mean, went we'll... so far to say look if you don't want to pony up we will do our best to get it to you eventually we're not going to sell your copy of the game I, I mean, I think that's more than fair. Unfortunately, nobody could have predicted the resource scarcity, the shipping issues, everything that came along with this pandemic. Like, there was no way that anybody would have went, oh, yeah, I mean, you know, shipping is going to cost six times what it is now next year. Well, like, they're getting nobody... slaughtered online right. by a segment of the board game hobby. And really? I, I, I can pretty much guess what segment that is, you know. When your hot pockets have doubled in cost, twenty bucks might be a difference for you when you're in mom's basement. <laughs> oh. But also, if you're pledging two, three hundred bucks for a board game, 
pay the fucking company 20 bucks. They already ate the big production cost. Pay them. Right. Pay them. Right. I mean, they've done, they've done everything they can to make this happen. You know, they, uh, it seems like they're acting in good faith. You know, the, you know, it's not unreasonable to ask. And they said, if you can't, we're still going to try to get it to you anyway. I mean, that's more than you could expect from any uh, game developer. I absolutely agree. Plus, the game looks beautiful. Look, if someone doesn't want their pledge, email nerdcognitopodcast at gmail.com. It's one that I passed on because I was very sour on Kickstarter at is that time. Is this photo you just sent me from the game? That is a legitimate game photo from the game. Wow, that is beautiful. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if somebody doesn't want theirs... You know, if somebody uh, wants to sell their pledge, I'm not going to pay a premium for it because I can get the game if I really wanted to. But if someone is so pissed off at Mythic that they want to sell their pledge, email nerdcognitopodcast at gmail.com. Nerdcognito will buy it and we'll put it on the Nerdcognito table. Absolutely. I mean, I think our group would have a lot of fun with this. The miniatures are, uh, alone are, you know, detailed and painted. Like, this is a, a beautiful looking game. And it's true to the wise. art style of, of the video game. It is beautiful. So, if you've got one... Hit up Uncle Ryan. He'll he'll take it off your hands. And then, you know, you can go back to role-playing your Minotaur at Starbucks. <laughs> that, Bert, my friend, is the news. Oh, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. That's because I closed about five tabs of news. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Oh, my goodness. Well, I don't even remember... What's next on the docket, my friend? You were going to tell me a little bit more about converting our cowpunchers characters to another system. I sure was. Can you tell I have Swiss cheese brain today? God That's damn okay. MS. Fucking hate it. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I, I let the cat out of the bag on Twitter. Um, people were making fun of something that I did or said, and it was... In the vein of, you know, I want to do X, Y, or Z, but I can't because I'm really tired and, you know, I, I'm having trouble picking things up off the table. And they were, oh, you're an old man. You know, normal sparkle troll bullshit. So I said, look, I don't bitch about it, but here's the deal. I have multiple sclerosis. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> I'm still working and productive and pay more in taxes than your income. So go fuck yourself. Mm. People people have no uh, couth when it comes to things like that anymore, I swear. Well, you know, the good so, thing is I, I do have that big turtle shell. It it doesn't bother me, but I, I'll certainly still tell you, fuck you very much. So, Doesn't the echoing give you a headache from people pounding on it all day? Eh, you know, it's like bass at a club. Eventually you just stop <laughs> hearing it. So. We have some cowboys, Bert. Right. I mean, everybody seemed really attached to their characters. They loved the, uh, you know, the characters that they had established. The problem was they really didn't like the progression of the character. Like they wanted the characters to grow way more than cow the cowpuncher system, which is, like you said, it's a great system, but it's set up to be, you know, um, realistic realistic i mean you're, you're not going to have a 
you know, a 10th level cowboy who gets shot is still going to die just like a first level cowboy. Right. There's no superhero cowboy. So I was kicking this around because we are going to start another campaign. And I've got it down to two potential systems or a third genre. So. Okay. It's either going to be fantasy or science fiction. Interesting. So we're going to take these Old West characters and throw them into either a fantasy or sci-fi setting. We are. And if it's fantasy, I think that we are going to run Irie's system. Okay. Or 13th Age. We'll let the group make a decision on that one. And if it's science fiction, oh my God, there are so many, so many different options that we can go with this one. There are. There's really a ton of different ways you could go with that. I'll throw my choice out, then you throw your choice out, because I I have no idea if we decide that science fiction is going to be the route that we go, what we're going to do. My choice would be Traveler. Traveler's not a bad choice. Uh, Just because I have a lot of experience with it from my space pirate character, I'm going to throw Stars Without Number out there. I scratched that system off of the potential list because I don't want it to go space opera. You know, mm. I don't want it to be space Western because then, so it, want- then we're going from Western to space Western. I, I want a complete genre change, but with our characters and I'll tell you how we're going to do it. Okay. I have all of the sheets and I am cross my fingers, hopefully going to have enough time this week to look at all of the sheets and have four note cards for each sheet. Maybe not note cards. It might just be a piece of paper, paper clipped onto it with four options for you. Two of those options are if we go science fiction. Two of those options are obviously if we go fantasy. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to say through blah, 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 your character now is one of these two options. Interesting. Now, obviously, it's going to start right where we left off in our Cow Punchers campaign. So we're going to be at the Silver Mesa Mine. And everybody had just rescued those Chinese children, except for the one that Mikey shot in the head. And mm. there is going to be a large-scale event, obviously. Sure, I mean, absolutely. That takes these characters, places them not only into a different world, but sometimes into a different body. Interesting. So you're going to izakai us. <laughs> For lack of a better term, yes. Now, here's my question. Because I can hear the bitching, moaning, and complaining from the online community already, especially that segment. You're taking away player agency. Am I? Am I really? No, I mean, in this case, I think that you're listening to your players. They want a system that's going to allow their character to grow. They've enjoy- they enjoy the story that they've developed for the character. So not only are you giving them an opportunity to grow the character in a direction that they never thought they would, but you're also giving them k- kind of... Um, a really chance to tap into, you know, how is my character going to react to this situation? Right. So I'll give you an example. You remember our less than friendly, 
less than morally scrupulous innkeeper, innkeeper, but tavern keeper, tavern keeper. I'm already in fantasy land. Saloon owner. Yeah. (laughs) Saloon owner. Yeah. You know, boom. Okay. Let's pretend that was a PC. It was gruff, crude, morally questionable saloon owner that had commissioned the party. If that were a player character, I'm going to have two options in front of me. And Mm -hmm. one might be human fighter. And the other one might be elven thief. Okay. So there's your fantasy setting. So that's your fantasy setting, right? Right. You're pigeonholing people into playing classes and races that they don't want. Well, I mean... I can see either one of those fitting that guy. Right. And there's no reason that the character can't, couldn't, as they advance multi-class, because he kind of embodied both sure. in our Cowpunchers campaign. Sure. Also, if someone is vehemently opposed to both options that I've presented, as much of a prick as people think that I am... You'd let them make their case. Yeah, if someone really came to me and said, look, I don't, don't want to do either one of these, I'm going to let them plead their case and probably pick their class and race. I mean, it's no skin off my foreskin. No skin (laughs) off my foreskin. No dick cheese off my foreskin. I don't know. It's not going to hurt. Okay. I don't, I'm circumcised Jew. Uh, (laughs) Things we did not need to know about Ryan Davis. Well, you know, you know, I'm not going to be unreasonable. I just think it's really fun if, okay, you still have your character. Your character is developed. It has a personality. It has skills. I aligned your skills that your character has with a certain class. So, like, we had the doctor. Gee, I wonder if she's a fantasy player, what am I going to present that particular player with? Cleric Mm. is probably going to be one of her options. Yeah, one of the two, I would think, would be cleric. Am I pigeonholing? Or with it, the prim, with the primitive aspect, you could also I could also see a case being made for druid. You know, I I was going that route or bard, but knowing that particular player, I don't really want to unleash a bard on her. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying, she is she is kind of new to it, so you know, a, a bard is a, has a lot of fiddly parts, and and I don't want to lose her to the sparkly side if I let her play a bard. let's face it she's flirting with the sparkle trolls so uh but but nonetheless what do you think how how do you feel about that well i mean overall it's good Uh, i think that it's a good idea i think that my character sheet is still tucked into my notebook though oh it's not in the stack but you know what i i generally i know enough about your character that i could present you with yeah, I mean, I'm sure you could give me a couple of options, you know. They're nothing like, uh, you know, a lizard man with the southern accent, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously, you know, some will be human, others will not. Sure, absolutely. Um, I it mean, will be appropriately it. proportional to the world, so we're not going to have one of those ridiculous parties. <laughs> right, right, I could see that. But... Um, Am I going to get some pushback? I don't know. I mean... I know who I'm going to get pushback from. Really? Yeah. Our dear friend is going to give me the most pushback on this one. Do you think so? 
you wouldn't think on the surface, but I really do. He's very, very by the book with things. Mm-hmm. And he's very, very committed to not shattering convention. And this is uh, not either one of those things. Right. I can see that. I mean, he's the first guy who will play anything, but he's going to play it kind of by the book. So um, I, I, I will say if we go fantasy, his character is probably going to be Kender or equivalent or goblin or equivalent. <laughs> <laughs> if you think about his cowboy character. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the, the chuck wagon cook, you know, the the old the old tough cookie character. Yeah, I could see that being. You but know. we don't even know what we're going to run yet. So really, right. it's just going to be me figuring out what are the options for other people and how is this character going to shoot, pop in. Right, and I'm kind of curious to see because you haven't you haven't mentioned them. You only mentioned fantasy options. You haven't really mentioned those science fiction options that you were talking about either. So I'm kind of curious to see where those are going to fall. Well, the reason you know? I'm skewing away from the science fiction is I have a very clear path. We're going to do X or Y as far as setting and system for uh, fantasy. I don't right. have as clear of a path if we go science fiction. Um, that's why I, I was kind of, you know, trying to weasel out of you a, a system that you were wanting, and you gave me the one that I absolutely am not going to use, just because it, it's not going to work for this particular thing that I want to do. Okay. So, um. Yeah. I mean, you did mention Traveler. There are a bunch of good science fiction systems out there. There are. There are. Did you pledge that uh, Blade Runner one before it closed? I did not. Oh, I wonder if it's still up or if they're doing late pledges. I, I don't even know when it opened or when it closed. I mean, I did at one time, but that has gone down the old memory hole. <laughs> <laughs> that would be interesting to drop those characters in the Blade Runner universe would be kind of insane. Uh, but we're gonna run, we would run into the same thing there as far as character progression. So Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting, especially since, you know, to everybody else, you're the only one. Uh, I can't say that. Mikey has an inkling of what's going to happen. But you're the only one that has, like, the full Monty of, of what I have planned. Everybody else is going to come into it thinking it's cowpunchers. And, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm really kind of excited to see sort of how you're going to do it. One, you know, what, where we're going to go with it and kind of where it takes us. Because right now our characters have sort of established roles in the world that we're in. You know, the doctor does, you know, the doctrine and gets paid for it. The uh, This guy's a lawman, that guy's... A, so dro- dropping into a new world, you've got the same personality, but are you going to fill the same role? Like, that, it's kind of interesting to see... Not necessarily, and you're going to have the challenge of overcoming, because it's not going to be, oh, I woke up and I'm dragonborn. It's going to be, what the fuck? I woke up and I'm dragonborn. You know, it's not, we're not separating the two. The characters have their memories from the Wild West, and they don't know what the fuck happened. 
Right. And in a fantasy setting, you know, technology is way more advanced from where we, where we come from. You know what I mean? Right. So it's really going to be interesting to see, you know, how you convert. Sorry, like, boys and girls, when you're out of bullets, you're out of bullets. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, yeah. Oh, you, you, you had a hundred bullets better make them count because they're when they're gone, you know, unless you're, unless you know, uh, you know, an alchemist and a, uh, you know, the best brass smith in the world, you're not going to know that can put them together without having them blow up on you. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, I think it'll be a fun time and it'll be an interesting transition because everybody really did have that attachment to who their character was. They just didn't like how they were moving up and now they'll right. have the ability to move up. So. Right, just not in, in any direction that they ever thought that they would go. I mean, you're you're not going to see, you know, unless something, unless, unless we somehow infect the world with our own views, you're not going to see somebody become sheriff. You're not going to see somebody, you know, get out from under and, you know, open their own medical practice or whatever. It's just going to, it's kind of. What's going to be interesting is when the magic users discover that they're magic users. <laughs> that would be interesting <laughs> if we go fantasy or sci-fi right. you know for that matter uh you know there could be like biotics or super tech or something like that so right right i mean it's a lot different from putting giving somebody a pint of whiskey and putting stitches in it sure is well partner i think i have a plan <laughs> yeah oh I'm also real interested to see kind of what you're going to offer as options for my character, knowing, you know, kind of what I know about his background and things. I can see a couple of different things that you might throw out there. And I'm really interested to see which ones you're going to pick. Well, you know, it's, it's not, yours was sort of one of the ones that I used as my guinea pig because okay. a, I knew I was probably going to, discuss it with you sure uh, on the show and, and b i know that if i do talk with you about it then it it would be something that you're a player where you could separate the things that we talk about from what happens in the game oh absolutely that, that's always been my thing the metagaming has always you know bothered me you know somebody's like oh uh, that use that monster use fire right Does your character have a knowledge skill that i don't know about like well, you know i very distinctively know where you will be if if your fantasy and what your two options would be i'll give them to you if you want to think if you want to hear them or if you want to be Hi. surprised uh, I think I'll take. I think I'll take surprise with the group. Okay, just like every, just like everybody else. I, right. I think I, you know, obviously I'm curious, but I, I think I want to start on even footing with all the players in the group and uh, and see kind of what you what you have to give me and kind of it'll be interesting to be surprised just like everybody else and kind of talk things out with them too. And I think when you see where I'm coming from, you're not going to be uh, particularly with the class choices. You're, you're you're not going to be disappointed, so. <laughs> okay. Well, I guess fantasy's where we're leaning now, isn't it? <laughs> well, I mean, fantasy's interesting. The the science fiction, like I, I I I've heard good things about the traveler system, but I've never used it. But you know, traveler would be kind of interesting. Traveler's yeah. great, but there's a a big piece. Here's my caveat with traveler. So much in traveler. Uh, so much of the experience is character creation. Mm. Like 
uh, I don't want to almost rob people of that experience if we play Traveler. And that's why I'm, I'm, I'm just all over the place as far as sci-fi settings. Uh, yeah, Traveler character creation is the most memorable part of of your campaign. It really, I mean, fuck. You can die in character creation in Traveler. You could split the difference and use your favorite, the new 5e Spelljammer. (laughs) (laughs) I can hear your teeth grinding from here, Ryan. On that note, I think I'm at the end of my rope, so to speak, this week. (laughs) But uh, interesting chat tonight, Bird. I think uh, we've got some great things coming up at the NerdCognito table, and we will keep all of our fans posted on it, so... Stay tuned, my friends. You can make sure that you stay tuned by subscribing to Nerd Cognito. Go to the podcast provider of your choice. Shit, you're listening to us on it right now. Make sure that you subscribe, like, share, throw us a Sparkle Troll review. You know, if if you don't know what a Sparkle Troll review is, go back in the archives and you will soon know how to construct the perfect one-star review. Uh, although we did get some of the the high end reviews too, uh, I guess oh, really? someone tried to to balance it out. Uh, I welcome the Sparkle Troll reviews. I, I think they're amusing. <laughs> so I think it's funny when people mention me because I'm not the I'm not really the one that uh, puts the controversial things out there. I always find it amusing when people mention me in the comments. Usually, it's you know. How, how do you deal with Ryan David? You're great. You need to like kick him in the balls and get another co-host. I, the one that I like is, I can't believe you're really friends with that asshole. So <laughs> regardless, uh, we are. Suck it up. <laughs> right. We've been friends a long time, and your opinion isn't going to change that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But some things that, that can't change are that we are out of time. So my name is Ryan David. We thank you for listening to this week's Nerd Cognito. I was joined, as always, by Bert, and we will talk at you next week. Be safe out there, folks. No!